you jackass. Welcome to the Jackass Critics Podcast. With your hosts, Tom and Matt. Hello, welcome to the Jackass Critics Podcast. I'm Tom, and I'm joined by Matt. Hello, Thomas. Hello, Matt. We uh, we run and write for a website called Jackass Critics. It can be found at jackasscritics.com on the internet. And this is our maiden voyage into the podcast world. Today we will dive into the film The Social Network. Uh, I'd like to remind you, you can check us out as always at jackasscritics.com and feel free to join our group on Facebook, Jackass Critics, for our latest updates. And you can follow me, Jackass Tom, on Twitter. Uh, I'm behind Jack- on my Twittering. Ugh. Yeah, you are behind on the Twittering. That's fine. Yeah. He's getting there. It yeah. will be Jackass Matt, possibly. It will be Bootsy. I don't know. I don't know what your Twitter name is going to be. <laughs> Bootsy the We're... Movie Clown. I like it, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I really like what you did with the name of the podcast. There's some serious creativity there. You know, Jackass Critics and the Jackass Critics Podcast. Yeah. Uh, that's a hallmark. It really gives our listeners, our potential listeners, uh, that mm-hmm. small, tiny group of lonely people, uh, really right. uh, good and insight and what they're about mm-hmm. to experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think they... Uh, they get to see two sides of us our our podcast side they get to see our our website side it's uh, a strong presence that we bring for sure i i've read on the internet that we were the first uh dvd film review website i can't confirm mm-hmm. or deny that i've just read it uh on there oh it and, must be right then go ahead yeah and i think we may be the first uh film website to do a podcast but i'm not certain about yeah. that so uh, You're not certain? I'm willing to buy into it, though. Let's just go ahead and call ourselves the first uh, podcast uh, about movies. and Or ever, maybe? Yeah. No? yeah. Okay. And okay. we're also coming in high def, I understand. So this is probably the first <laughs> podcast in high def, because uh, low def is low. Yeah, yeah, my microphone is definitely high definition capable. For oh yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> so how you doing today, Matt? I'm doing wonderful. Um, you know, we're a few months away from uh, a planning to get to this point, and I think that'll really shine through in the professionalism. Yeah, and it took us a while to get the drywall up to uh, get the soundproof walls fixed. And, and the proverbial uh, man cave that we're meeting in right now. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And and hiring our staff too. Our our staff of uh, twenty or so. Yeah. Able yeah. people. Well, I was waiting for Sorkin to write me back. I know I kind of wanted him to be interviewed here, but uh, for some reason, his people never got back to my people. So Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a little bummed. I think I told you earlier today that uh, it looks like Mad Men possibly getting stalled with uh, Matthew Weiner's contract talks, so it may not be coming back in July, and I don't know if I can do uh, do another July without... Don Draper's dreamy eyes staring back at me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little tip that I learned in like fifth grade and yeah, from this guy do. that we called Coco on the uh, playground. He told me the <laughs> okay. first taste was free and uh, <laughs> I didn't really understand what it meant at the time, but yeah. uh, you're going you're going through it right now that uh, you know they that sucked withdrawal. you in. And yeah. I remember your early days of Mad Men, you know, appreciation. You were totally sucked in. Totally sucked in. Just like yeah. me and Coco on on Beaumont Elementary, fifth grade, and, uh, and now you're just going to have to go through the same painful withdrawals that I did, man. True, true that, true that. I do have uh, three DVD sets to keep me going, but there's only so often I can be going through the same storylines over and over. I need to uh, 
find out what's going going down at Sterling Cooper Draper Price. Right. I think that's their their full name now. But now, uh, oh, do I'm the DVD be sets bummed. have a lot of extra features to bide your time, or are you uh, pretty much? There's some extras. There's some extras. I haven't even delved into those yet. I've just been going episode by episode, reliving right. the glory. And there were a few that I missed in season one, so I got to catch up on those as well. So I f- do feel like I am complete in my Mad Men. Uh, virtual library, I guess you could say. You know, I, I had a similar thing when I was doing The Wire, and I kind of <clears throat> got into it right as it was ending on the broadcast, but uh, the good part is then you could just rip through the DVDs. Yeah. And uh, after I watched <clears throat> all those, luckily most of the episodes had commentary from the directors and several of the mm-hmm. actors and stuff, so yeah. that was pretty Second cool life. to go through. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, most of the DVDs I own, I probably don't ever listen to those, but there is a few rare things that it's worthwhile, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't think, um, I definitely don't rip through the commentaries all the time. I think I listened to, uh, uh, not The French Connection, there was another Gene Hackman film, The Conversation. Conversation, yeah. yeah. Is Coppola on that one? No. Uh, yeah, I do believe Coppola's on oh, that one. Cool. I'll have to, I'll have to double check. I know the sound guy was on that because he played a huge role in that movie, obviously. Yeah, it's yeah that's all about cool. the sound, so. I'll have to pull that off my old <clears throat> shelf there and give it a listen. I don't think I've listened to that one. Yeah, yeah, definitely give that one a listen. Yeah. So anyway, Matt, I'd like to talk to you about some movies you've seen lately. You want to cue us in on one of them? Well, Tom, as you probably are aware, I've been going through a little bit of a phase where I'm uh, trying to tap into my inner 70s Italian um, male persona. Oh, dear. Yeah, so I've been kind of going through some of the giallo uh, niche films uh, uh-huh. genre. Now let grow. me ask you this: Do you grow the hair on your chest and get a big bowl of spaghetti in front of you when you watch the Giallo wow. film? No. See, I, I was with you with the the patch of the hair, and then you went spaghetti, and I'm yeah. not sure if that's Jackass critics approved or not. Uh, oh, okay. We have to run that by our censor censor guys and see if that's going to be Yeah, cut. strike one against me. That's <laughs> correct. I'll be in the box pretty soon. Yeah, I thought I was supposed to be the simple one making broad brush strokes, and you know. I got jealous. Yeah. I got jealous. But go ahead. <laughs> so uh, I've been going through those, and I've hit all the major uh, <clears throat> releases in the giallo type of uh, genre. So the yeah. Argentos and the uh, Sergio Martino. So I'm kind of uh, going through the lesser known bin, I guess you could say. Sure. So these sure. are the, the dollar releases or what have you that are made very quickly. So I came across a recommendation for uh, Quiet Place to Kill. What an exciting sounding name. Can we agree? Yeah, I would say so. I think it's, uh, yeah, it sounds very Hitchcockian, perhaps. And there was a little bit of attempt going to Hitchcockian, and I will give them credit for that. However, it was basically a daytime soap opera of uh, boy loves girl, mm-hmm. boy and girl get divorced, girl tries to kill boy, which had a brief three seconds of excitement there. Oh, yeah. Uh, boy marries another girl who has some slight lesbian tendencies. Okay, we're getting a little bit away from your soap opera there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm, not necessarily. And mm. then there's kind of back, back and forth kind of plotting to kill each other and to see what's going to happen. So uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of angst and not a lot of activity. Okay, okay, interesting. Uh, definitely not a giallo. Um, I watched the whole thing because I'm dumb and, you know, I finished Sometimes you gotta. Yeah. Sometimes you need closure, even when it's bad. So I, I sat can't strongly recommend that one to yourself or any giallo fans out there, but uh, it, it, was, okay. it was time well spent, I guess. But how about yourself? Right. Anything new and exciting lately? Well, let's see. Uh, I recently got a screener copy for a little movie, a little independent film called Moving In. 
This is directed by uh, a man named Griff First, who also stars in it, written by Alex Eves, I guess you would say. Okay. He's uh, a Swiss actor who also stars in it. And it has a pretty interesting theme. Um, I would say that it's very close to a Kevin Smith film. Uh, you got this guy from Switzerland, 24 years old. He's a bit of a loser, has no initiative, even as he puts it, initiative. Yeah. And, you know, he's pretty much waking, at ho- waking up at home with his parents, uh, his mom hears him masturbating in his own room, which is kind of creepy. A nice yeah. little opening uh, piece for you there. And uh, he just decides to go visit his buddy in L.A. He also has an internet girlfriend out in L.A. He gets there, finds out that she's not exactly what he dreams she is. And, yeah, um, yeah he goes, finds his buddy who's, uh, I guess you could say he's the Jason Lee of Mallrats, so okay. to speak. Sort of a drifter, not really caring where he's going. Likeable character, though, like Jason Lee? That's 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 oh. one of the problems with the film. He doesn't yeah. come off as being as likable as, say, uh, a Jason Lee or... I can't remember what the guy's name is in Clerks. Randall, I think his name is. Yeah, but, good call, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they uh, he, he tries to live his dreams of being a movie star. Uh, they end up having to find a new home, new place to live, and they end up living in a nursing home, and they go through disguise with, uh, you know, the, the old man costumes every oh, day yeah. so they can get yeah. back into their uh, their living lifestyle. But, yeah, it uh, there were a few things. I mean, there were, it was a little bit amateurish in the production values, which sometimes you can get away with, but where a movie made by Kevin Smith has really strong writing to bring out Strong a lot characters, of the, yeah. Yeah, strong characters, strong writing. You know, it's all about the dialogue, the story that the character's telling, uh, they seem to go in a direction where it was more about the slapstick, a little bit of the physical comedy. And if you don't have strong direction, that doesn't always play out well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So well, you Don't, Tom, just as a just hit the pause button for a second. You can't use the word slapstick in Jackass Critics' uh, mentions without eliciting chuckles from me from uh, oh God. the famous... <laughs> The, the famous byline. Dick. What movie was that for? Oh, uh, that was for Caveman. Caveman. <laughs> oh. Do you want to tell our listeners, in case they haven't visited the Caveman review, what uh, Slapstick uh, made me chuckle exactly? <sighs> yeah, the tagline on jackasscritics.com for Caveman was, tries to be Slapstick, feels more like Slapdick. <laughs> And, now, I'm not yeah. one to just uh, self-aggrandize <laughs> and say how great everything is, but to that this day, probably, that was like seven, eight years ago, I'm still yeah. laughing every time that that comes up, or anybody says was, slapstick even. Yeah, 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 I think that was your finest writing moment. That's that's good stuff. <laughs> that one so, <laughs> Sorry to, sorry to yeah. interrupt there, but... Uh, no, no, it, it was... Now, is the, the director a Swiss gentleman? No, the, I think the director is the, uh, I believe he's an American-born guy. The writer is the Swiss guy. And does the film actually start out in Switzerland before he comes to L.A.? It does, it does. I believe, uh, the guy says he's from Zurich. I have all reason to believe that the film started in Zurich. I know it was filmed in both locations, L.A. and Switzerland. That's pretty uh, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive for a small budget. I assume this is like a small budget type oh, film. Oh yeah, that, definitely, yeah. definitely. Oh. Um, I know it did a couple circuits with... Uh, Maybe a couple festivals here and there. I don't know what the the next plans are for it, but right. uh, yeah, there were a couple chuckles here and there. I know there was this uh, Indian cab driver who picks up the guy from the airport who has sort of this uh, "oh well, just jump in my cab" attitude, and he was kind of funny. Yeah, it's yeah. a shame he wasn't in the film a little bit more often because he was uh, 
A lot of highlights, sounds like, yeah. Character. Yeah, one of them, I guess you could say. But, yeah, I mean, it, it could have used a little bit more polish, uh, the film. But, you know, as you understand, right, it's an independent film, so... Indeed, you know, but I mean, if I we guess have millions of dollars to pay for that polish, right? <laughs> we're probably we're probably ten years too late to be really talking intelligently about Kevin Smith and his uh, Clerks entry, but still, that was a professional film at the very least. I mean, definitely, maybe definitely. going black and white saved him so much money that he could put it in other things. But do you think it really saved him much money? I, you know, I thought I read somewhere that it didn't really affect the cost of the film that much, oh, really? and probably gave him more of a an austere look. You know, it, yeah. it almost felt like. Like you're watching Breathless for the first time by uh, by Godard. You know, it's it's black and white. It's a little bit rough, but a lot of the things that are going on is about the dialogue. That's yeah, it allows you to emphasize more of the uh, characterizations and yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, that could be a choice. I mean, that was certainly filmed in an era before uh, digital, so I assume he was buying actual 16 millimeter stock. I don't I don't know. Right, right. You're much more in- into the actual uh, technical side of things than I am, but. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, Clerks definitely, definitely a strong film, and uh, you can see where a lot of those influences are in uh, in moving in. Uh, any other films you've seen, Matt? Oh yeah, I uh, you know I'm a fan of film noir as much as yourself, and um, oh definitely. Yeah, and uh, you know I am also a big Netflix fan, and they've got a decent selection of movies. Uh, you can stream and watch uh, in real time. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a little flick from 46 called The Dark Corner that popped up and it was available. Mm-hmm. And Netflix was smart enough to recommend it to me. Mm-hmm. What took me back on this one is the fact that it stars none other than Lucille Ball in a oh, serious wow. role. Yeah, she did a few back in the day. She did a lot of yeah. dancing, a lot of singing, dancing, a lot of uh, comedy, obviously. But there were definitely a few dramatic roles that she did. So I kind of have a negative impression of Lucille Ball just because my mom loved, you know, I love Lucy. And, sure. Uh, that was about three generations apart from my taste of humor, especially when I was Oh, Ricky! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of tainted my uh, appreciation, though it initially drew me like a moth to a flame to it just out of curiosity. Sure. Um, but she kind of bummed me out a little bit. And she certainly didn't, you know, your typical noir film, you need the the dame, you know, the killer dame, and obviously this one was kind of missing that pod. element, and if if Lucille Ball is carrying the dame element of your 40s era noir film, that's, uh, that's, that's not good. Sorry she to all was, the Lucille Ball fans out there. She was well thought of in her day, though, early on, before she went into comedy. She was, uh, supposed to be mighty fine. Are you saying she's a hot little number? I think that was the impression. Definitely. Philly. Yeah, definitely. You think about her being, you know, shoving chocolates in her face now with on a conveyor belt. So obviously the uh, the idea of her being a sexual idol is uh, yeah. not as strong, possibly. But um, and she kind of plays more of a matronly role, anyways. Uh, the story involves mm-hmm. a, a private dick who she's working for, and mm-hmm. they have kind of a relationship that starts out very professional and and kind of uncomfortable since they're kind of have a new relationship, professional relationship at the beginning. And she takes on a motherly role, making sure he doesn't hurt himself. As uh, he's getting f- framed or squared, you know, for uh, to take a fall, as you will, just to use uh-huh. some noir language. And uh, he ends up using her a little bit as a pawn in the game. She's a willing participant because she's secretly, you know, into him or whatever. And they go off happily, live after ever after at the end there. But uh, uh, yeah, if she's 
filling it in and maybe i'm more into the the raven haired uh you know uh yeah so uh so cute that you know they're bad for you type uh of uh, ladies in the the noir films oh yeah you know a little as bad bit of the, as a cancer stick that's that's the kind of ladies i want definitely definitely a little yeah. bit of the rita hayworth from oh. uh oh i can't remember the name of the movie now How about lady a from shanghai from, uh, from uh third third man uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm you know, you I there. can't strongly recommend that. It's kind of cool that uh, they are opening the vaults, it seems like, a little bit. I don't know if Netflix uh, signed some more agreements, but there's just a huge flood of uh, uh, late 40s and early 50s uh, noir flicks. So pretty much every night I'm mm-hmm. spinning one up just to see what's going nice. on. So, nice, nice, nice. I mean, they produced a ton of them, so obviously not all of them are all that great. And I wouldn't say this one was yeah. all that great, but it certainly had a few uh, notable highlights with the, the the cast and everything. So. Right, right. Now you said they lived happily ever after. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty interesting. Cause sometimes in the noir films, you know, you've got the femme fatale who's uh, completely destroying the guy's life after a while. You know, he makes some fatal flaw, and she's like, "Well, what the hell did you do that for?" Or yeah. maybe she's the one who pushed him to do that, and they start, you know, diverging and start snipping each other, and pretty Absolutely. soon one of them ends up in a body bag, the other one's in jail. You know? Yeah. No, this one definitely broke the mold in terms of, of that. Uh, what, okay. what it delivered in the noir would be the snappy dialogue and your typical uh, mm-hmm. character in terms of the, the private dick uh, and mm-hmm. his characterizations and stuff like that, but uh, it kind of broke the mold in terms of being a little bit more palatable, I guess. Uh, okay. You'd be probably okay. more likely to take this to your first date on this one as opposed to if in 46, then uh, something yeah. a little bit harder that comes down like a little uh, harsh whiskey. <laughs> like double indemnity. <laughs> yeah. You're People probably are dead not by gonna, the end. Yeah. Get a return phone call after. <laughs> yeah. Or vertigo. You creep. You know, story of my life. <laughs> yeah. So how about okay. yourself? Uh, anything else that's uh, new and notable? I've got one more movie for oh, you yeah. here. It's in the theaters now, wherever you can find it. I know around here in the Chicagoland area, I found it, well, the burbs of Chicago, I found it in two theaters out of maybe like 10 or 20 over the weekend when my wife and I were looking for a movie to see. It's a movie she had seen a week ago already, and we were talking about seeing a movie. She kept saying, let's see this again, let's see this again, and I hadn't seen it with her, and I was a little hesitant because I'm like, I don't want to put you through the same movie twice, but she really pushed it because she said it was good. Cedar Rapids. It was hilarious. Oh. oh, I loved it. So what I would compare Cedar Rapids to, and I actually wrote a review of it it's on jackasscritics.com, and nice. in the intro I, I make a comparison to when I first saw Office Space. Wow. High praise. It, yeah, I would say so. Office Space, which I gave a 10 out of 10, which I don't give 10s very often. Yeah. And as, a lot of people yeah. will probably... Uh, slap my wrist for giving it a 10, but Office Space is one of those movies I can go back to time and time again. And uh, Cedar Rapids, it stars Ed Helms, uh, who probably you know from either The Hangover or The Office. Yep, yep. He's uh, a bit of a rube in this movie. He comes from Wisconsin. He works at an insurance agency. And um, he ends up having to go to this conference to support his agency, give this presentation in hopes of winning the fourth consecutive Two Diamonds Award. And the reason he's picked to go is because the guy who normally gives a presentation just ended up dead under mysterious circumstances. Uh, the Ed Helms character, yeah, Tim Lippy is his name. He, uh, <laughs> he even has a funny name. Yeah, yeah. 
He's not only new to the conference, he's also new to travel in general. He's new to a lot of things. He's There's very comedy small. potential right there, yeah. Oh, obviously. Packing so they, for the first they, time, yeah. They milk that for all it's worth. Uh, the first time they get him to take a drink, there's a number of people who are essentially trying to pull him out of his shell in the movie. Okay. Right? He's yeah. a bit of a, I don't want to say he's a shut-in, but you know the guy I'm talking about. He's This is getting a little too close to home, Tom, but continue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So there's three or four people that befriend him, try to pull him out of his shell in the movie. Um, the first time he takes a drink because he doesn't drink alcohol, they're all trying to get him to do shots. One guy is Jägermeister, one guy is something else. He ends up ordering something like uh, a cream sherry or something. <laughs> something I didn't even know existed. Right. It, it was funny. The, the camera panned to a, a shot of the bar and centered in the middle of the bar was Aftershock. <laughs> which gave me like freshman year of college uh, flashbacks. All Indeed, of a yeah, that's we've all been there. <laughs> but um, you know, the movie it's it's just very simple. It takes place in I think I think it actually takes place in Ann Arbor, Michigan, but it's supposed to be in Cedar Rapids. Oh, cool, yeah. And uh, you know, it's a very small town. It's very very homey feeling. It's very accessible. All the characters feel very accessible. Yeah. Uh, the John C. Riley character, he's a bit over the top. Right. In a very hilarious way, right? He's the guy who's out there who's ready to party, who always says the wrong thing. So is he like the traditional uh, winner of the Salesman Award, or is uh, he no, like the guy he, that always comes up short but still keeps trying hard, the Johnson no, Riley character? He's the guy that comes to the convention yeah. because he knows he can get a free booze ticket. Oh, you know, He goes there, he pisses off the guy who actually awards this thing out. He doesn't care at all about the awards. He wants to go there and mix with his friends go out to Horizons and have a good time at night. All right. So he, he's a guy who just wants the party. Making the and most of the opportunity, yeah. Making the most of the opportunity, exactly. So along the way, essentially what happens in the movie is that the Ed Helms character, Tim Lippy, his world sort of comes crashing down around him. He has these high ideals of his company, of small-town life, of the people he works with, right, of what you're supposed to be doing, even his girlfriend. All of that sort of crashes down around him as he realizes that a lot of these people are sort of in it for themselves and they don't yeah. necessarily hold up the same high ideals he has. And a lot of movies take that twist, right? They turn it all on, like, business is bad. Yeah, or even after-school specials, for example, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, everything isn't exactly how it seems, okay, yeah. Right. And they definitely build it up to that point, but at least they give you this, I don't want to ruin the ending too much, but they give you a little bit of a payoff in saying that um, an individual who has these ideals can lead through the way and still push through his ideals in a way. Yeah, so, yeah. And there's plenty of laughs along the way. Like I said, very akin to Office Space. When you watch Office Space, you can sense yourself in that office with these people sure. telling yeah. these jokes and you you see that fantasy that they're living out uh by you know destroying the copier you know that looks like a good time or or the shenanigans they get into but you feel like you could be a part of that yeah and you get a little bit of the same thing with cedar rapids you feel like you could be part of that really fun convention where you meet that right group of people have yourself a good time. And there's some interesting themes that go along with it as well. Hmm. So you're going to see that one again? Do you see yourself maybe even buying that one when it uh, becomes available? Oh, it, it'll definitely be up for consideration for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. That's under the old, uh, in the old stocking one Christmas morning, you won't be disappointed? <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be disappointed. I'd probably pop it in right away. It's right. a, a high recommendation on the list. That is high praise. I'll have to read your review as well. I 
didn't realize it was Cedar Rapids. I definitely I remember seeing the trailer for it, and it looked uh, pretty humorous. So, but definitely. I guess it's getting pretty limited distribution. I wonder if they're gonna open it up more, or if it's gonna be. Uh... Yeah, last I read it, it made four million dollars or five million dollars in the first month. Yeah. And I think it's maybe like five or six weeks in. So, yeah, here's hoping that uh, that it does get a wider distribution so it can get a little bit more appreciation like I think it deserves. Yeah, well, hopefully it does well enough, yeah, that, you know, it's rewarded for at least uh, the creativity and doing it well, so. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like uh, like Office Space, which I think only made $10 million, I think I was reading the box office. Um, it could always have a second life when it gets to DVD or, or streaming video or whatever the kids are watching yeah. these days whatever the kids are watching these days yeah yeah, yeah. No, that's cool i'm gonna check that out yeah definitely yeah. definitely check that one out recommended to all so with that i think we'll get on to our <laughs> our main event our main topic which is the social network oh well, we were, we're keeping talking i thought we were done uh, <laughs> you're not signing off yet <laughs> oh man all right I'll oh, give yeah, it a the short social network int- movie. The social network movie, right? Yeah. I'll give it a short intro. I All mean, right. we're not we're not the first people to talk about the social network. Obviously, this, this is a good time for me to bone up and remember what I watch. So, <laughs> make it good. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, social network is uh, essentially the story of Facebook. I think I've seen a few people argue that it's not about Facebook, and I'd like to call BS on that. Mm. But uh, it was created. Uh, Facebook itself was created by a student at Harvard named Mark Zuckerberg in the early 2000s. But as the movie shows, its uh, intellectual property is definitely disputable. Zuckerberg met two enterprising Aryan twins, a.k.a. the Winklevosses, who had an idea for a website called Harvard Connection. It's essentially a site that would be uh, a dating site putting Harvard students on display for all those to see. Mm -hmm. Uh, He agreed to make the site for them, but it was at this point that Zuckerberg began to work on a little website known as The Facebook. What? What? That's so he scandalous, started, yes. Yeah. Don't yeah. Uh, he began distancing himself from the Winklevosses, uh, both physically and, I guess you could say, internetally, as yeah, he yeah. ignored all their emails. Runs away from them constantly on campus. And as soon as Facebook starts taking off, uh, they start to notice they start to get a little bit upset. Movie shows uh, Zuckerberg in two different dep- depositions as it outlays a story for us. Uh, depositions with people that helped him create Facebook, but with whom he discarded along the way. The Winklevosses and uh, their buddy. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Whoops. the nondescript shorter guy. Yeah, yeah Less exactly. Aryan. Let's just call him Less Aryan from now on. <laughs> and... Uh, and really his only friend, or at least what the movie portrays as his only friend, Eduardo, who was also the original CFO of Facebook. So he's in two different, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> two different depositions. Um, definitely not a likable person oh, <laughs> if he's in two different depositions at the same yeah. time. Now, it's really impossible to separate this movie from Facebook itself. I mean, this is a site that... Uh, back in July, at least, by the numbers I'm looking at, had passed 500 million users. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of people. Really popular with the kids these days, I hear. Really popular with the kids, for yeah. sure. I mean, what do we have? A little over 300 million in the U.S., and this website has 500 million. Wow. Yeah, the projections are <clears throat> that uh, I think everybody in the world will have two Facebook accounts by uh, 2013. So that's some... Two. That's Why some two? serious growth. I got one for each of my cats, so I'm already ahead of the curve. So I got three. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. yeah. Pet book as well. For sure. <laughs> for sure. So, uh, yeah, it's a site that 
that definitely drives virtual social networking. I don't think there's many other sites. I, I guess Twitter kind of catches up a little bit with social networking. But yeah. Really, well, it's, I think it's, it's funny. Uh, even in the movie, they mentioned, uh, and I'm gonna and you know date myself and you know antiquate myself by saying this, but uh, oh, you know, MySpace already does all this, and uh, mm-hmm. the Winklevosses and uh, Mr. Zuckerberg himself, uh, you know, and the Winklevosses idea was that you know it was gonna make it exclusive, which yeah. you know initially when I first heard of Facebook, that was the case. It was only on right. a per college basis. You know, could you get into your college's Facebook? Uh, and they kind of rolled it out, uh, you know, through a staggered uh, plan mm-hmm. there. Um, but where was I going with that? But anyways, it's not like this yeah. is exactly new technology, and maybe just MySpace was a little ahead of their time and didn't exactly have the same vision, I guess. But, oh, I think yeah, definitely vision, I think, somewhere. is a part of it, for sure. So now we're both on Facebook. Yeah. Not that we want millions of people friending us all of a sudden who are going to be listening to this podcast. Right. Millions, as I noticed. But... um. <laughs> we both, I think, use Facebook a little differently, or at least at different levels. So sure. I think yeah. we'd both have a little different perspective, maybe, uh, on this movie from that angle. I definitely use Facebook, I would say, more often than you. <laughs> I think that's a fair statement, yeah. yeah. I, I don't write a status every day, but right. I'm definitely looking at it multiple times a day, commenting on people's statuses. Every once in a while, I'll post a link. Yeah. I'm definitely not as much of a Facebook junkie as there are people out there who I notice. Um, oh, yeah. But I think I, I use it more. There's definitely things I don't like about it and things that I see ahead that are possibly dangerous about it. I, I think the analogy I always make is that when you read a book like 1984 that predicts in the future that the government will be you know, stripping away our rights and watching us and, and keeping an eye over us, Big Brother's watching you. Yeah, yeah. It's ironic that something comes along that everybody jumps aboard to where the government doesn't have to do anything because we essentially do it to ourselves and we do so with a big smile on our face, right? <laughs> yeah, when yeah, it, this is very true. Willingly give away, inf- you know, data and information oh, yeah. that people willingly paid for or being, is, is being monetized and you're perfectly yeah. happy with that. So, Well, not only that, but I just think about the four square and people checking in like, hi, I'm at O'Hare Airport. Hi, I just checked into Arby's on yep. M59, yep. you know. People are, are constantly giving you information on where they are, what they're doing. You know, I'm going to be away from my house for a week. Right. Silly yeah. things like that. It, I just find it completely ironic that um, we were always worried about being watched and monitored, or a number of us were at least. And now we're sort of just doing it to ourselves. Yeah, it's just a, <laughs> it's a query away. You know, it's just a one well-formed uh, database query, and uh, it's. Very easy to build a profile of who Tom is and who Matt is, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully a little less for me, since, uh, like you said, I'm uh, trying to shy away. But really, right. I so think do you want to do you want to go through and explain uh, any of your your feelings about Facebook and yeah, in regards I mean, to the film? Uh, I'm not even worried about it as much for people like you and I. I think we're and this my, it isn't in my nature to really be protective and worry about other people. But still, mm-hmm. um, for people like you and I, I think we're fully aware of the information that we're giving away and mm-hmm. uh, the profile that can be built upon us. And not to, uh, my tinfoil hat is stored in my closet. I'm not even wearing it right now. It's part of one of my steps wow. in my program. Good for um, you. But, you know, the people that don't really realize that are the ones that, I would say there's some correlation that use it the most and probably <laughs> don't really realize what they're fully doing. Um, right. And man, that stuff can just track you literally forever. I mean, it, how many presidential elections away are we from talking about 
what someone was doing on Facebook. It's, right. Oh, completely. I keep thinking about that now too, oh, you know, right. like, yeah, I mean, our next, but if you think about it, right, we're, we're getting to the point where there's going to be so many people who are on Facebook. Presidential wise, it's not even going to matter because the two guys who are going to end up running against each other or gals. Yeah. Yeah. They're both gonna have trash on Facebook. It's gonna so wash it's, out. It's gonna be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you it's think it's probably about true. It will, and it may be more fun just to hear <clears> instead <throat> of uh, the unsubstantiated rumors of uh, what uh, the Kennedys did with uh, Marilyn Monroe. We could have pictures mm-hmm. of them hitting the beer bong together. I mean, that's pretty exciting. That's true. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lipstick eyes around the nipples and things like that. Yeah, the whole you know, nine yards. Somebody's always got a cell phone nearby that has a connection to Facebook. So uh, yeah, you so your political career is just a phone call away, right? So I'm I I kind of hate Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate some of the uh, aspects of connecting the family, and it's convenient just because so many people use it. In my family at this point that uh, it's become the de facto way of communicating. And, yeah. you know, if I was control of things, I would have preferred it to be uh, email and, and more private as opposed to public. But, you know, people want to be mm-hmm. uh, listened to and people want to feel like they're important. And, and uh, you know, not everyone's weird like me and, mm-hmm. and hates social things as much as I do. So <laughs> I, now, I that's, appreciate that's that. one thing I definitely wanted to ask you in particular about, because I think uh, for this podcast, your feelings on this are kind of interesting in the fact that you don't like Facebook, but at the same time you're watching a movie about the inception of Facebook. I will fully admit that it's going to color all of my opinions just because the topic, you know, no matter how great it is or how... uh, Mm-hmm. how well it was crafted which we can talk about uh okay. it still will probably have a ne- i'll still have that negative influence coming from my background and uh you know right, fully right. full disclosure there okay okay fair enough fair enough i think we'll build that up over the podcast sure one part uh, one other point we can bring up too is zuckerberg the character it's kind of interesting to center a movie around essentially a, an unlikable person and one thing that I think some people may have had a problem with this film, although a lot of people did like it, is that Zuckerberg is such an annoying guy. Uh, do you think that Fincher and Sorkin sentimentalized him as some sort of victim? I kind of got that feeling uh, sometimes when watching the film. Like They were building him up as Zuckerberg, the poor genius, his ideas are above those of the people that he stole from and the people that he trounced along the way. Because towards the end, you feel bad for him. And maybe he's not built up as a hero, but he's almost a Citizen Kane-like figure where in some ways you kind of look up to him despite the fact that he's not a perfect person. He has his issues. But do you think they built him up too much? I think that's kind of an interesting question. They kind of pull the rope-a-dope. I'm no, no, you know, filmmaker or author myself, but it seems to me the first time you introduce a character, that really sets the pace for, you know, who that character is and and what they're about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the first time you meet the character in in the bar scene, he comes off as so unlikable I would rather hang out with Migs from Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I mean, (laughs) he just is so painfully unlikable in that scene. I mean, they dig such a hole that 
yeah. for me, it was kind of unforgivable. And again, there comes probably my my bias of what I was going in. I kind of had a idea that Zuckerberg was kind of weaselly going into this whole thing. So, uh, mm-hmm. but I I do agree that they go to such the extreme to make him unlikable, you almost start to feel sorry for him. I mean, there are some people that mm-hmm. just are not equipped with the same tools of, of charm and wit that you and I are. Of course, we're very charming and very witty and extremely likable and go on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, both of our moms, I know I asked before this and they agreed for, you know, both yeah. of us that we were charming and witty. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, they dig the hole real deep. I think we can agree that initial scene is pretty brutal. Um, mm. Oh, completely. Yeah. You know, I find it amazing that people actually refer to that girl as his girlfriend, because even when I was watching that scene, I kept getting the feeling that he just thinks she's his girlfriend and she's probably just along for the ride. Maybe this is like their second date and she's ditching him. Yeah. I just couldn't like build it up in my head that she was actually dating him for a prolonged period of time. And this was the time she picked to dump him. True. How could you tolerate it? I mean, that was just a a random sampling of of a night in in the life of it would seem. (laughs) So I mean, how are you possibly standing? Realities. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I just think they dig such a hole that it, it's too much to come out from. But they, they do attempt to at least create some sort of sympathy. Uh, and, and then they kind of also with the uh, the Sean uh, Parker character, yeah. at, at least give him somebody to play off of. And somebody, yeah, I think, who some people are going to say is even more crazy or more annoying. Yeah. Or at least, you know, uh, somebody to play off of. So you yeah. can set the bar a little bit higher and then... Maybe I may be a jerk, initial. but at least I'm not that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Sean Parker character. Yeah, I actually thought Justin Timberlake did a pretty good job with that. You know, you kind of, uh, early on, you start rooting against Justin Timberlake a little bit, but he's kind of funny on Saturday Night Live, and then yeah. he pulls off this role, and you're thinking, you know, maybe uh, boy band isn't so bad after all. But <laughs> I-, I never thought that the words along the lines of, I like Justin Timberlake, would oh, know, honestly right? be coming out of my, my mouth. Yeah, uh, but I like Justin Timberlake. I would go see Seriously. purposely a Justin Timberlake movie. It depends. I, I can see him probably pulling off some pretty painful stuff. You know, there could be one of those, uh, you know, friends with privileges type movies, which I think is coming out soon. That is probably not going to be on my Justin Timberlake uh, C list. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I think I've seen him in, uh, which we're already in my you know sphere of interest. Uh, he has. Delivered, uh, amazingly enough. Yeah, definitely. But it's interesting because you're watching this movie. I think it's a very enjoyable movie. And yet the main character is just completely obnoxious throughout the whole thing. I watch a Noah Baumbach film, right? Uh, Like Margot at the Wedding, for example. Greenberg. Some critics love this stuff. I can't stand it because I just find myself completely despising the person after 15 minutes and that hatred just grows and pusses out by the end of the movie to the point where i'm thinking why do i even care about this guy's life enough to spend an hour and a half on it right yeah so the fact that fincher and sorkin who i think we'll get to in a second here were able to pull that off in writing and in directing and I think even Jesse Eisenberg should get some credit for his acting chops on this one as well. Wow. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, there it is. Yeah. yeah. Wait, did I say Jesse Eisenberg? I just call him Puppy Dog Face. I don't actually know yeah. what his real name is. He just the has puppy the dog puppy face. dog look. I think it's Jesse Eisenberg. But, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of credit that goes along 
the lines of being able to pull off such a jerky character as being the main character and still making the film as enjoyable as it is. Yeah. Well, it I don't want to jump, that... you know, to a, a synopsis of the whole movie, but I will say, I, I overall, my, my if I had to use one adjective to describe my feelings, and it was a successful movie in that I had a very strong feeling at the end, and mm-hmm. you know, I think any movie that does that is successful. Mm, definitely. Uh, but the one word I would use would probably sad. I, I literally wrote down the word sad. Uh, sad. It made me feel sad that uh, it's kind of a sad character going through, I mean, yeah, billions of dollars of you know value or whatever technology is mm-hmm. being created, and that's interesting how, to, how that came about. Right. But uh, it's just kind of like sad people doing sad things to me. Uh, <laughs> that's just the adjective I would describe it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I can argue that. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, the guy, uh, the full irony of the film is that, and they even use this in the, I think the, the early marketing of the film was yeah. that here's a guy who creates this tremendous social network of people friending each other, and he doesn't have a single friend in the world. Yeah, yeah. At least that's what the film builds up. I know that you know he has a, a wife, or or maybe he still has the same girlfriend, something like that. And in real life, I'm sure he has more friends or people around to him in his true social network as opposed to his virtual social network but yeah, yeah. at the same do you, time do you even trust somebody that doesn't really. use their own product like that i mean he wants you to put everything involved without any limits you know he's fought every step of the way seemingly the ability for people to actually control who sees what because he mm-hmm. wants it to be completely open and that is actually the way i'm, I'm sure that the barriers that are put up are somewhat artificial mm-hmm. but i mean does zuckerberg have a facebook i Probably sounding pretty ignorant here, but I doubt he's as open with the true information about his life as he wants all of us to be. Well, he had that book written about him, though. I don't know what what the control was on that, but it was the one that was this movie was based Basis off of. of. Yeah. I I don't know. It, obviously, it didn't paint a very nice portrait of him, so maybe he didn't have as much control over the book. Yeah, that's something I probably need to research a little bit more, but. Yeah, obviously there's some stuff he's hiding, some stuff he puts out in the open. He's definitely not as open as some of his users on Facebook are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't think that. he's walking the walk as much as he uh, yeah. is talking the talk. Yeah, people talking about, oh my God, I can't believe my husband said that about me. I'm going to cry now. You know, oh, that type of thing. Yes. <laughs> shiver. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Hang on, i got to go check my Facebook really quick, see if there's any updates. Right, for sure. <laughs> Oh, look what they said about my picture. <laughs> so Fincher and Sorkin. Yeah, well, I mean, you know I'm the founding member of the Midwest uh, Aaron Sorkin fan club. So here's the thing. It, yeah. here's, here's where we start to come into the confessions. When we'll I heard Aaron now. Sorkin wrote this film, yeah. you want to know what I said? Yeah. What has it? he done in the past? What? Yeah, what? Yeah, so I wasn't exactly a member of the Aaron Sorkin fan club as much as I was wondering why people were clamoring about him writing this film so much. Who's a sure. Sorkin guy? Yeah, Sounds silly of me to say. Obviously, I have seen some of his work. The first thing that comes to mind is A Few Good Men. I didn't watch, uh, what was that television show that he did? West Wing, West Wing, right? yeah. No, I didn't really catch much of West Wing, so I'm not into that whole shindig. Yeah, yeah. But um, obviously there's something to the biting dialogue uh, that he writes, the the back and forth. A lot of people compare it to uh, his girl Friday and the fact that the dialogue's just so quick, especially in that first scene. People talk about that. It's so quick. And then yeah. the camera cuts. Boom. It goes back to her. Boom. It goes back to him. 
it's like you're watching a tennis match. I think the two of them, uh, obviously Fincher knew what he got in Sorkin's script yeah. and knew what he was getting from Sorkin, and he had in his mind exactly the best way to direct this, and I think he pulled it off very well. I think the two of them just work so well together. They're both masters of what they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously A Few Good Men is a great movie and, and very rewatchable and, you know, pretty much a favorite of everybody who has uh, TBS on their cable uh, <laughs> has found themselves victim to the Sunday afternoon A Few Good Men. I find uh, it okay, but go on. Uh, yeah, that's at, me. That's at least me. watchable? Watchable? Um, depends what else is on. All right. You know, if Step Brothers is on, then pff, no. Well, I, I I can't fault you for that. Okay. <laughs> um, and then and then we've got the the Fincher situation, and oh, I yeah. mean I, I could time. not be more excited about uh, early Fincher, and, and uh, he certainly entered into the the hallowed realm of someone I will see every movie you know theatrically. Yes. Early on. Yes. And then and then Uh-oh. Zodiac a happened, and did oh, you sense the Zodiac that. hate starting to to erupt like a Mount oh, Vesuvius? Oh my gosh. You know, my spidey sense was tingling. And, and this is certainly in line with uh, how, you know, You Mr. silly, Fincher, stupid man. I know. A, a simple person, I prefer to be called. <laughs> Simpleton. Uh, this is certainly, you know, uh, Fincher, and I at least appreciate him growing and, and moving in directions and uh, changing something and then refining it, you know, as he iterates mm-hmm. through his, you know, process of making movies. So... I certainly think this is the next iteration of what he was doing in Zodiac, which mm-hmm. to some degree is probably the next iteration of Panic Room. Was that the one immediately before? You know, uh, It may have been immediately before. Sounds about right. Yeah. So I can see how you know that string of movies, how we arrive at mm-hmm. him directing uh, the Facebook movies. I like You're also forgetting The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which oh, is definitely yeah. the bottom of my Fincher love list. Yeah, yeah. I, I would tend to agree with you there. Yeah, but yeah, this does seem like a direct descent of that Zodiac movie, and uh, I mean, I, uh, I guess I just like the grisly, mean Fincher. But I mean, you can't do that your whole career. I get it, if you're, especially if you're a good movie maker. Yeah, yeah, especially if you want to start winning awards, which right. maybe that's what he wants to do these days. Who knows? That's what it seemed like with Benjamin Button, at least. But Ugh. he is starting to touch, uh, starting to touch a, a larger audience for sure. Because I don't I think seven. It, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Seven made a lot of money. Fight Club, which is probably, maybe you and I can agree on this one, that might be the peak of his career. Yeah, I mean, creativity. Mm-hmm. And maybe it wasn't a, him at the highest craft, but there was, you know, an eruption of creativity. And yeah. again, you know, a good collaboration with his writer there and Chuck For P. Sure. And, you know, yeah. definitely brings out the best in each uh, of the participants, I would say. Right. And yeah. I thought that Zodiac was a finely crafted wonderful film so i'm not going to fault him for that but panic room i'm lukewarm on yeah the game i really liked i thought that was a really well done film i didn't like it the first time i saw it but i think even the second or third time i saw it i really started to appreciate certain elements about it and i think i even have a write-up about it on on jack s critics if i can can go ahead and drop that one out there (laughs) and um yeah and i thought he uh he really brought it to the table with this movie because when you think about what this movie is about, it's about depositions and people in front of computers. And somehow he made that interesting. He made every second really, really tick and really tick hard. I mean, it was just a joy to watch the film. I watched it twice and I, I could definitely watch it again. 
it's definitely a finely crafted film, you know, okay. very above average for <laughs> yeah. the for the art sake of it and the production l- level of it and uh you know there are a few good flares with uh mm-hmm. the camera work. I remember the scene uh when crazy Sean Parker and uh Puppy Dog Face are talking in the club. <laughs> um I mean I seem to remember that was very finely crafted both from a, a a photographic cinematic standpoint as well as the sound design and stuff uh, sure. that was uh that was very memorable and very well done and certainly should go on a, a highlight reel for Mr. Fincher. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So, I think that brings me to Aaron Sorkin. Let me know when you're coming to Michigan, buddy. I'll I'll be here. <laughs> you want him to write your autobiography? <laughs> or just quickly stand by while he's at the Barnes & Noble signing books and I can just uh, pretend to be browsing. I see, I That'd see. Cool too. A little bit of uh, a stalkerness there then, right? That's that's a strong word, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> You've been talking to my parole officer again because, you know. Speaking of your parole officer, we yeah. haven't even talked about the Winklevosses yet. I don't know how that makes a segue, but... The Winklevosses, right? So it was essentially played by one person, Army Hammer, but it was also played by two people. I think one of them was the stand-in. Yeah, yeah. Certainly the most effective uh, body double on camera since, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme just tore through Hollywood making body double movies one after another. Oh, for sure. Some real classics in there. Double Impact. I mean, some have compared that kindly to uh, A Few Good Men in terms of just the cinematic (laughs) impact that it has. Uh, no, I, I mean, the character uh, I thought was great, uh, really mm-hmm. well-written. Characters. Fairly, fairly uh, likable in a movie filled with fairly unlikable people. So Yeah. Uh, that was good. Um, and the use yeah, of CGI, CGI. In, order, in order to fuse his face on the second actor. I mean, I think we were talking about this at, at an earlier date, how... Anytime someone brings CGI into a, a drama in yeah. whatever respect, right, or an action film, whether it's the the crazy looking crocodile in Erasure, you know, something yep. stupid like that. I, I know that's taken us a, a ways back in CGI, but whenever they bring it in, it's something where you look at the screen, you notice it, and you start getting pulled out of the drama. But it's I had to look. It's hard to believe this still happens in 2011, but I mean, it still <laughs> happens on a regular basis. For sure. And this was something I had to look up online, and I'm like, okay, who are these twins playing this character? And then you find out only later that, no, it's actually one person, and they're using some, you know, fuddy-duddy computer stuff going on, clickety-clackety, and making his face appear on someone else, and holy crap, I didn't notice that. Yeah, very impressive. I I don't know if that's just money, you know, being able to to buy that, and I'm sure they had, you know, a not unreasonable size budget to make that happen but i mean some summer blockbuster movies don't achieve nearly that level of interest and and uh just serious blending of it in and uh, very impressive and i was super happy to to see that that was successful because that could have definitely made the movie just unwatchable for me if that was done poorly right Right. And then the, with, with the Winklevoss, it always reminds me of this theme. I can't remember who I read this from first. I think it was maybe David Denby in New Yorker who was talking about the idea of a revolution, right? And mm-hmm. the Winklevosses, essentially the, the bourgeois class, and they're sitting on, on their idea and their ideals, essentially, about how the law should treat them and how it should protect them. In this case, Harvard should essentially tell 
uh, Zuckerberg to stop what he's doing and give the idea back to the Winklevosses. But here is Zuckerberg, who doesn't really come from a, a rich society background. He doesn't come from uh, the blue blood class, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't come from the strong Aryan background. He's just the guy who has the willpower to push through this. He has the stronger idea, and he doesn't want anyone to get in his way of creating it. He has the vision. It's uh, an interesting interesting idea, this theme of the revolution, something that's seen in other Fincher films as well. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Fight Club is probably the the uh, the biggest, most obvious uh, idea, or the presentation of the idea. Presentation. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Let's I mean, <laughs> I'm curious. I think it would be difficult to. I think everyone would agree that the Winklevosses are much more likable uh, overall as characters than, mm-hmm. than Zuck Daddy, um, <laughs> and. I don't think a lot of people won't have much in common with their thoughts on the honor code of Harvard and, and how that plays in and their initial reluctance to, um, you know, kind of pursue, even though they are being wronged, uh, just because, you know, they're Harvard men and Harvard men don't do that. And I thought that was mm-hmm. extremely noble. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it just seems to be at a direct odds, I guess, with, you know, the typical portrayal of, of, of a Harvard upper crust person that mm-hmm. has all of the privileges life, you know, could possibly hand you. Right. Um, and, and that was more of the typical theme, I guess, of our Fincher movie of, you know, tear down the walls and, you know, these artificial, you know, barriers that separate us or what have you. Um, mm-hmm. And then I guess it just shows the complexity and the willingness to kind of show us the shades of gray and not necessarily the black and white that these characters that are on the stereotype level probably completely different from you and I and we're mm-hmm. much more common with Zuckerberg in terms of having to work for what we get and yeah. paying our mortgage and you know worrying about you know the dental bill or whatever but uh, at the same time you know the Winklevosses who have all of you know life's privileges still are uh, more likable characters and kind of actually have much more of a code and probably would have treated people better if they had you know <laughs> developed the Facebook and, and been oh, the yeah. ones that were in charge for sure, for sure. Although it may still be Harvard Connection if they had it, right? True, true. Yeah, who knows yeah. Uh, how it, the rollout would have happened, and the world would be short Facebook at this point, and wouldn't, wouldn't that be right. a sad world indeed? Right. <laughs> I think there's one other thing we haven't mentioned yet, and that's the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, Trent Reznor, huh? I'll admit that I even signed up on the Nine Inch Nails site to uh, get like early access to the soundtrack, and I downloaded oh, wow. a few samples and stuff. I'm kind of a Trent Reznor snap uh, slappy at this point. Uh, <laughs> I did buy a few tracks off of iTunes, so there you go. Oh, and did you it, for this soundtrack? From this soundtrack, that is correct. So yeah. I, I think it's the track when he's uh, coding the face mash. Oh yeah. I decided to download that one. It's uh, a little pleasant listen though. To uh, plow through at work, I will say. It's good to know for Jackass critics, it's still kind of, just a little bit, still 1994. You know, 1994 <laughs> is still here with us. Yeah, which Halo is this considered, actually? Are we <laughs> on Halo 37 yet? There's a joke very few people will understand, but I do. That's what's important. Yeah, yeah. that's what's important. Yeah, okay. so, I mean, I, I don't really, I'm always amazed by uh, wh- what happens. Like, Green Day apparently is still relevant to kids. Wow. So I don't know if like <laughs> Trent Reznor still has weight or gravitas with yeah. people. Uh, I, I assume at least some people do, but uh, mm-hmm. not probably not as much as you and I. But yeah, I mean, 
it made me much more conscious of the soundtrack. And I'm not sure if them as artists would like that or not. Right. Uh, you know, they probably want it to stand on its own two feet. But uh, the fact that his name was attached, I, I certainly was uh, more attuned to listen. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the How Relevant is Green Day, because I remember when I saw the commercial during the Super Bowl that featured Eminem for Chrysler, Yeah, my first reaction was, who outside of Detroit really still cares about Eminem? Correct. Uh, and it's just a fascinating <laughs> question of... And then I find out he was nominated for, uh, what is it? What is it they win? Not an Emmy. Is it an Emmy? Yeah, I think he won, didn't he? I... <sighs> Yeah, and that just threw me. I mean, I just like completely threw my theory out the window that this was a horrible commercial targeted at no one. I mean, I still think it's a yeah. bad commercial, and I was still scratching my head on who were they actually targeting with that commercial. But I think it uh, sort of threw a little bit of sour milk on my theory, at least. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> understand. I guess, I mean, I understand that we're still playing uh, uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band, you know, in 2011, <laughs> that there's still a market for that. So I'm sure there's still weddings that play it, that's for sure. <laughs> So it, I guess on one hand it does make sense that Eminem still gets played, but so. on the other hand, New still being Ooh. relevant, yeah, like actually being part of the conversation, yeah, uh, that surprises me. And, but yet here we are. So maybe there before is we hope date for ourselves, yeah. All. Before we date ourselves, maybe we should push on to the next question here, which is let me let me just say I yes, really sir. like the soundtrack. Uh, Go ahead. I am totally slappy into it. Uh, I. I actively thought this is a great soundtrack and I've probably done that in about three movies in my life so yeah. uh, that's very high praise and it, it was a very high uh, highlight for me for the movie so I just wanted to, sorry to interrupt you but oh, no, of drop course. some praise there yeah, very very seldom do you actually notice the soundtrack yeah. for it being a good thing. Right? Yeah, a lot I'm, of I'm times, a big picture guy, so I yeah. very rarely try to focus on you know individual elements and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. But uh, that was very interesting and very well done. Yeah, I often find myself criticizing the soundtrack more than I do praising it. Much easier <laughs> to, I, to notice something irritating oh, yeah. than just subtly uh, fitting in. You know. Right, for sure. Okay, now to the silliness. Matt, yeah, if yeah. this were an adult film, go ahead and describe it. Yeah. Or if you don't have anything, I definitely got some bullets in the chamber. Well, have you ever heard the story? I'm going to tell a little parable. Okay. Um, have you ever heard the story about how Guns N' Roses will go on tour? Mm -hmm. And this is like the early days of the crazy Guns N' Roses. Yes, and. and they would uh, bring like a cat litter box along. Uh-huh. And they would encourage the the lovely ladies to um, urinate in it? Uh, sure. Two women, one box. Go ahead. I would think, instead of Facebook, it would be called The Sandbox. Oh, and wow. It would involve people peeing in it, because that would make me sad, just like this movie made me sad. So, uh, <laughs> that's good. That's good that that makes you sad. I, think it makes I just you totally made that up, but... Uh, and I'm, I wasn't really sure as I was saying and if it was going to work, but I think it does fit upon review. Uh, clearly, clearly. Now, I put some thought into it. I had a hard time coming up with a title. All right. Um, obviously, you got something like maybe the social network, hardy, har, har, you yeah. know. Yeah, um, But here's the thing that I think works, right? Okay. I, I think maybe you can keep the social network, and maybe it's the story of facial book. Oof. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. see what you're doing there. And digging low. We need um, we need to see if that's that's taken that URL. 
Yeah, I think that it may have had some awards uh, this past <laughs> February. Who knows? But um, I'm also I'm also going to look up afterwards to see if anything titled Sandbox is taken. <laughs> Sandbox.com or something, because I I may be onto something here. You only yeah. have so many million dollar ideas in your life, just like Zuckerberg, and I might have right. just had one of mine. And the brilliant thing about this too is that the uh, the entire introduction of the film could almost be preserved for adult cinema because here you have a nerdy guy in yeah, college. Yeah. Right, college being a hotbed for who knows what, and he gets dumped by a girl. And what does he do? He goes on the internet. Yeah, you can just rewrite that. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's you, how it you don't starts. have to do too much. Yeah, you can go. You can go so many avenues from that point on. As soon as he hits the internet, you know, right? Cut a new movie in there. You know, that's a that's a that's a springboard for unlimited opportunities. Right. He's creating a website. Yeah. I mean. What does that mean, right? That's some, some LeVar Burton, Reedy Rainbow stuff right there. I mean, just spring off of that and create your own story. That's correct. Yeah. So who from the film would you party with? Well, you know, as I was, as I was, I, I thought about this early on, and as I was watching the movie, I think the, the obvious answer is Sean Parker. That guy likes to bring the party. <laughs> yeah, but the party is I, I'm going to go Parker, for the Dark Horse. Yeah. You probably won't even have, have thought of this one, but okay. I'm going to go. Um, You're not going to say Eduardo, are you? Larry Summers, Harvard president. Yeah, that just that just brought the house down right there. You suck the oxygen out of the room, pal. So the Winklevoss twins, just to set the scene, the Winklevoss twins are upset with being ripped off, justifiably, mm-hmm. some would say. Mm-hmm. And through their connections, they set up a meeting with the president of Harvard. Sure. I believe he was the president. Sure. Uh, um, Larry Summers, who is the former uh, director of the Treasury, I believe. For mm-hmm. the United States government under Bush. Okay. Wow. Um, now Larry Summers is kind of a, a no-nonsense guy. I think he would bring the party. What I liked about him, he he no nonsense, zero zilch nada. That he guy shows up at your tailgate down. party. He's got two fists of Jack right as soon as he gets out of the car before the engine's yeah. cool. He's drinking. Okay. Okay. I follow you. That's okay. Gotcha. You're not gotcha. you're not feeling it though. What's that? Everybody else is so horribly obnoxious for the most part. I mean, Eduardo's a wimp. He can't decide yeah. what he wants to do. I mean, he's less obnoxious and sad and angry than Zuckerberg, but mm-hmm. I don't, still don't want him around, man. I'd right, rather hang exactly. out with my family, and I don't even like them. <laughs> so I'd probably still have to go with Sean Parker, only yeah. because you know the guy's ready to party. He knows where to find the party. You know, if this party's not working, he's going to take you to the other party that probably is working. Yeah. I mean, he's got like a list of three that he can go through. Okay, this one died. We're going to this one. Yeah. You know, and then he knew exactly where all the hot spots are. If you're his buddy, he's taking care of you. He's saying, what do you want to order here? Okay, we're getting two of these. Oh, this is good. We're getting this off the menu. And he's probably covering it, too. Probably that's what is. I also like. Yeah, that's pretty I don't awesome. want to have to. Yeah, I don't want to have to pay when I go to Japonais or someplace like yeah. this, right? He's, he's got some like DJs on speed dial, you know. If if the party's dying, he'll call DJ Scribble up, and Scribs right. will show up with his turntable and stuff, and get the party started. And uh, yeah, yep. I mean, Sean Parker definitely brings the party. He knows how to party. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I wouldn't kick Sean Parker out of the party with me and Larry Summers. I think all three of us might get along just fine. Oh, for sure. But yeah. if if I have to pick kick somebody out, like. You know, we're out of booze, and there's only I've got a you know my truck's only got a bench seat. So I'm I'm bringing I'm bringing some dog. Right. I want Larry Summers. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, the other thing I like about Sean Parker too is that 
when I party with people, yeah. I like talking to the person who talks the most crap, right? <laughs> He's just like stream of conscious BS coming out of his mouth. Oh, let me tell you about the time I did this. Let me tell you about the time I was in Costa Rica. Whoa, man. Let me tell you about this idea I have that could have made millions, right? Yeah. I yeah. just love being around those people at the party because you're just... You can sort of zone out for a while. You can kind of go along with it, and then you can just throw the BS right back at them, and they're into it, you know? Those are, you know, some fun people to party with. I know a few of those people. You know, they usually have a good time. I have a good time with them. Yeah. Yeah, you and I aren't, aren't like, carry the the party kind of people. I mean, I can hold a conversation, but uh, Sean Parker is going to carry it. I mean, but those people can. You're right in the fine line there where they can can potentially dominate the party, and that's (laughs) when you got to... Hey, when you ride the big wave, you got to be ready for the wipeout. Well, that's why you have Larry Summers there. He drops the no BS on him and tells him, you know, puts him in his place. There you Larry go. Larry Summers' there character is underappreciated in, in the movie, uh, the, the you, Facebook movie, as I like to call it. You hit me with that. I didn't even know who Larry Summers was at first. It just completely <laughs> flabbergasted me. Uh, Larry glad, uh, Summers. I'm like, is he in Facial Book? Is he in Sandbox? Who's Larry Summers? <laughs> Who's Larry Summers? Who's Larry Summers? Tom, you need to know your... your uh, leaders of the treasury department better buddy i mean these are people making decisions in your life i'm well behind in that that's for sure (laughs) all right now our final question is would make would drinking make this movie better and if so to what extent yeah yeah the i guess is could you do a a game uh, of facebook like take a shot every time uh zucker looks sad or is a jerk i mean yeah, that could be painful in the first 20 minutes but yeah, uh this question's made more or less for worse movies right if you're gonna watch something some poorly done detroit 2000 from the black exploitation era oh, oh whoa whoa did i say that no no man no. just when it had scabbed over you picked at it again thanks Tom. yeah yeah no. i know you're a big detroit is it nine thousand nine thousand yeah nine thousand yeah okay Detroit 9000. So if you're going to watch a movie, I'm not going to say Detroit 9000, but if you're going to watch it of that genre and it yeah. lacks a certain quality, but you know if you hit the hooch a little bit harder, you're going to get that much more enjoyment out of yeah. it. Does it take three bottles of beer, four bottles of beer? Yeah. You know, a case of beer. Like Black Yellow with 40s, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think sober, uh, sober, I enjoy social network just fine. I'm more of going to be a sober guy as well. I mean, I... I probably wear my uh, emotions a little bit more on my sleeve if a movie's great and I'm enjoying it I'm probably going to enjoy it a little bit more mm-hmm. and again I've, I've probably discussed that uh, this made me very sad and I was mm-hmm. kind of sad I'm afraid I would start crying like I was watching Beaches again if I watched uh, The Social oh, you Network did watch it. On, on some booze I probably would end up crying because I would be sad at poor Mark Zuckerberg and 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 that would make me sad I just want to clear something up yeah. you said watch beaches again yeah now i want to take our jackass critics listeners back a few years to when we actually had a bet over a detroit lions chicago bears game because we do tend to gamble and (laughs) it was made clear that matt first would watch and write a review of beaches Beaches. yeah yeah this is uh i didn't realize we're doing the scarlet letter so early like the initial podcast we're gonna start scarlet lettering firsty but apparently well yeah well, you brought it up, so I mean, yeah, it you was can't probably a bad choice. Words. And in my defense, I have seen beaches before. Oh, okay. But I didn't well. pay off on the bet because I'm a big Welcher ninny poo poo. Yeah, well, this will be a recurring theme in the Jackass Critics podcast. Yeah, I'm quite I don't sure. pay my debts. Don't don't trust me. Yeah. Can't okay, so it. overall, I'm gonna say Social Network, very enjoyable film. 
I think it may have been the best film of the year uh, as far as the films that I saw. I think yeah. just as technically sound as it was, I think the story that it told, especially when you take it into consideration with uh, the times right now, I think is a very strong reflection of the way people think right now. Uh, definitely touching on Facebook, the social networking aspects. I, I just thought that this was a great film, so it's definitely something I would highly recommend. And Matt, first, as Sp- we sign off. Speaking of, of, of movie Uh-oh. of the times, do you think that this one's going to age particularly well? Or, I mean, 10 years from now, Facebook, nobody's going to be using it, and it's mm-hmm. going to be kind of a, a moment-in-time type flick that... Uh, it'll be a time capsule. I think it'll be a time capsule. <coughs> it's hard to say. I think... I think even when a movie dates itself with certain technologies, like obviously Facebook is, uh, Facebook social network is doing right now. You know, you look back at movies of the eighties that had certain technologies, right? If you look back at, um, say the movie that, uh, Matthew Broderick did early on where he was, yeah, there you go. War games, he's typing up on the computer, hacking into accounts and whatnot. I think as long as you, as you remain sincere to what the computer does, and you aren't going overboard and, you know, showing the, someone logging into the school accounts and changing grades and showing the cursor moving like it does in, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. As long as you remain pure to the technology and you aren't cheating anyone, I think it will stand up. All right. And to further pick your brain before I mm. give my, my, my final say, how does 10 years from now's people opinion of Mark Zuckerberg affect the movie? Like if... He's become the villain of the world, and it it, tr- it turns out that he's been selling you know kidneys and through uh, Facebook to to Whoa. kidney brokers or something, or you know if, if Zuckerberg ends up becoming a punching bag. Uh, that is a hardball question. I was not expecting. Yeah, Very I'm curious if you think that that could actually taint the uh, the film even more so than the technology being dated. What about you know the subject of our our story here? Like if, if there was a, a biopic of O.J. Simpson in the in the eighties, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, well, that's the thing. I, I think I think because the film at least tries to portray him honestly and truthfully, or they they don't go over the top in trying to spell him out as a great person or a god of any sort. I mean, they're already taking a look at, at things that he did that were wrong. And that's essentially what the film is about, right? It's the the wrong steps he took along the way and how he still persevered and pushed through it and created Facebook, but they're still bringing these things up. And if you're talking about a biopic about OJ Simpson done back in say 19, you know, 89 or whatever it was before the whole slaughtering of his wife thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's probably going to be something that shows him winning the Heisman Trophy. He's not going to show his pimp slap hand in that biopic, is what you're telling me? (laughs) That's what I'm telling you. Him and Ike Turner are trading them back and forth on the heavy bag? I I don't think so. All right. I don't think so. And I think that's why this movie will stand up a little bit. A little bit stronger than a lot of other biopics. Uh, I think it's it's going to be susceptible both to uh, potential future Facebook uh, backlash, which... I yeah. mean, I'm not like leading the revolution like the Michigan militia or anything, or the Facebook militia, just trying to overthrow it. Right. But I do think that at some point we're going to reach that saturation point. That's probably not a huge prognostication there. No, no, no. And I, I do uh, have a feeling that at some point uh, Zuckerberg himself will end up, I mean, he's I'm not sure what his uh, Q rating or whatever is right now, but I think it could uh, drop even lower yet and possibly taint the movie. But as far as the movie goes, mm-hmm. uh, 
a finely crafted film, you know, yeah. what you would expect from from the creative team that was involved. Right. And uh, for people that are interested, I would recommend seeing it, and it is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And it's just a weird, uh, falls in a weird place for me where I um, didn't particularly enjoy it, but I right. appreciate the craft. And I can't say that about very many movies. You know, usually those are tied together for your yeah. enjoying the content of the film and enjoying the film. It's kind of one hand in hand, but I think this is one of the weird cases where that wasn't the case for me. Uh, the Facebook movie. Very interesting. Okay. So I want to thank my co-host Matt first, because I think that does wrap up the podcast. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, Matt. And we look forward to uh, podcasting yet again at a later date. Maybe You'll, with some new crew, some new movies, some Val Kilmer, something like that. Right. We do have a few other uh, jackasses in the stable that we can talk about. We definitely have some other topics that we are lining up to discuss. And we look forward to you listening to us later. Bye-bye. See ya.